You know what I love about the Easter Sunday 11 o'clock service? I love, first of all, that I haven't had to apologize yet for sleeping through the sunrise service. (laughs) Secondly, even though it should be first, I love thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means uh, for our faith. Let's, Let's pray. Father, I ask that You would um, bless the, the reading and the preaching of Your Holy Word as we consider the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask in His name, Amen. We live in a world where Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, has lived, died, and has risen from the dead. Our celebration of Jesus' resurrection is not some medieval invention uh, by the church during the Dark Ages. Rather, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week after the Passover is the fundamental fact of Christianity. It was foretold by many prophecies in the Old Testament, and it is the central focus of the theology and the preaching in the New Testament. Without Christ's resurrection from the dead, there would be no life after death for us. For that matter, there would be no eternal purposes. Therefore, there would be no meaning in life, no permanent values or ethical standards, nor any abiding reality. Your life, and my life, and all our collective accomplishments are just a vapor if Christ did not rise from the dead. But all those negative reasons for the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ um, are negative reasons. In other words, things that would not be so had He not um, risen from the grave. But I want us instead this morning to celebrate the resurrection. I don't want us to simply look at negatives. So this morning we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to mainly look at what it means for us. And then we'll also look at what it means for Jesus Christ. And we'll only be scratching the surface. So the first thing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what it means for us, is that it means eternal life. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that believers are united to Jesus Christ in His resurrection. We can only receive eternal life through His life. We don't have life in and of ourselves. We forfeited that in Adam. Jesus Christ is the only source of life. So it's only through connection with Him that we will live past death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. And so His resurrection from the dead secured our eternal life with God. 
Now that being said, we cannot be uh, raised. Uh, I'm sorry, we cannot be united to Jesus Christ without first being born again. All of us are born into this world in a spiritually dead condition. That means that we are born apart from God. We have life in our bodies. We have air in our lungs. We have blood circulating through all our limbs. But spiritually speaking, we are dead. Spiritual death means that we live spiritually rebellious lives unless and until we are born again, we truly are spiritually dead. And this brings us to the second thing that Christ's resurrection does for us. It gives us new birth. First Peter says that God calls us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This means that Jesus' resurrection does not just affect us in the afterlife, but it changes us here in this life. His resurrection from the dead is what gives us spiritual life. Not only do we have spiritual life through Christ's resurrection, but we also have newness of life. Uh, The whole direction, the whole purpose of our lives is affected by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. In other words, uh, well, I'm sorry, Romans... Chapter 6, verse 4 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, we will pursue things that please God. We will also uh, seek to love our neighbors as ourselves. We will even love our enemies. What this essentially means is we won't be living for ourselves. We'll be living for God. We'll We'll be living for the things that please Him. This is a radical transformation. Prior to Christ's coming, I'm sorry, prior to our coming to Christ, we might have said, me, others, God. Or we might have even said, me, God, others. But by definition, a Christian says, God, others, me. In that order. These things are not These are not things that ought to be happening in our lives. Rather, these are things that will be happening in our lives because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that believers are connected to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that believers, because of our connection to Jesus Christ, His resurrection life becomes ours. We live because we are in Him and He is alive. We live different lives that are different than unbelievers because His life is in us. Our desires are different. Our actions are different. Our motives are different. Our direction is different. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Our lives will be fruitful for God by definition. Romans chapter 7, verse 4 says that we belong to Him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Are you bearing fruit for God? If you're not, it means you are not living a resurrected life. It means that you're not, being, you're, you're not connected to Jesus Christ. Let me ask it this way. 
you want to make your life count for something? Do you want to for your life to have eternal significance beyond your time here on earth? If you do, then bear fruit for God. Because that is fruit that lasts. That, is, that fruit never becomes overripe. It never becomes rotten. But the only way you can bear fruit for God is to be connected to the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. What I'm saying is that living with the resurrected Christ is no ordinary life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says that those who live in Jesus live no longer for themselves, but rather live for Him who for their sake died and was raised. And that's the problem with many people's lives. They feel directionless. They feel inconsequential because they know deep down that their lives lack purpose, their lives lack value beyond themselves and beyond their narrow um, self-concern. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, Paul said, "...if the dead are not raised..." then we might as well eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's the way an unfortunate percentage of our society lives their lives. Purposeless, aimless, self-indulgent, and empty. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, we can live a purposeful, meaningful, full life for God. We can bear fruit that last because we are bearing fruit for God. And like a compass, the resurrection of Christ can reorient our entire uh, lives to, to be a true, a true north. Colossians 3 verse 2, verses 1 and 2 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, for Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. In other words, living a resurrected life with the Lord Jesus Christ means that the things that seem so all-important, things like binge-watching our favorite sitcom, or cheering our favorite team, or playing a new video game, or acquiring a new gadget, all these things can become much less important. And of course, there are many other consequences, many more uh, things that are much more consequential than video games or binge-watching TV. Uh, I was just, I mentioned those things just because they were some low-hanging fruit. The purpose of our salvation in Jesus Christ is to give us life with Him. But a wonderful byproduct of that is that we are rescued from the death and the wrath that we deserved. We are sinners and God is holy. God must punish sinners for their sin. If God simply overlooked a sinner's sin, He would be unjust. God cannot show mercy since His justice must be fully satisfied. Yet, the Bible speaks of both of these concepts in the same sentence, in the same breath. 
I love Psalm 85, verse 10. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Well, if God is just and we are sinners, these two concepts would be mutually exclusive. Yet God pictures them as if they're kissing. How can that be? Well, on the cross, God's justice and His mercy meet. Jesus met the demands of God's justice by taking our sins upon Himself. He suffered God's wrath in our place. Tim Keller says, Jesus drank the cup of eternal justice so that we might have the cup of the Father's joy. Let me ask you, who is bearing your sins right now? Are you bearing them? Or is Jesus Christ bearing them? If you're bearing them, then you will know and experience God's wrath due to you because of your sins. That's why I urge you, flee to Jesus right now. Give Him your sins. Somebody says that the resurrection was God's um, God's way of stamping paid in full across history so that no one can miss it. Because when Jesus died for our sins, when He said it's finished, and then when He rose from the grave, it meant that all our sins were paid in full. And of course, Jesus gives us a future bodily resurrection through His bodily resurrection from the grave. As Christians, when we close our eyes in death, we open them in the presence of God. It was really stressful yesterday doing Bill Doyle's, performing his memorial service and writing a sermon with everything else going on. But I've got to say, it was the the perfect way to uh, really meditate upon Easter. To go in and see godly Bill Doyle, and uh, many of you who've been around the church for a longer period of time know how he loved Jesus Christ. And to see his body there in the casket. And to remember that he wasn't there in his body. That his soul was with God. It was... uh, It was really moving in my soul just to think about what Christ has done for us. And then to remind his family that although Bill was not with his body, that there would be a bodily resurrection of all bodies at the end of history. At the end of history, God will resurrect all people and give them a new body. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And then Christ will separate us into two different groups. Into those who belong to Him and those who do not belong to Him. To those who are saved and those who are unsaved. Those whose sins He paid for and those who will pay for their sins in eternity in hell. In John chapter 5, verses 
25 through 29, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. This is the reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because there were people in Corinth who were doubting the resurrection of Christ. The, the, they were doubting the, the bodily resurrection of Christ. See, Corinth was a Greek city, and they were living under Plato's uh, worldview, the, the philosopher. Plato was an idealist. He believed that there was a uh, realm of the form, uh, the realm of the ideal, and then there was the the uh, the realm in which we live, the the realm of the phenomenal, the realm of um, of the world. He believed that nothing from this world, because this world was imperfect, could ever pass into the afterlife. And so, a person's spirit may pass into the afterlife, may enter into the realm of the ideal but not someone's body. So there was this belief that the things done in the body were unimportant since life had nothing since this life had nothing to do with the next. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, we've already quoted it. Uh, if there's no resurrection, then we might as well eat and drink for tomorrow we die. This way of thinking led Greek society into being a very debauched culture. Uh, we've heard accounts of the city of Corinth and just how wicked, how vulgar the entire culture was in that city. But Christianity came along and said that the things that we do in the body are very important because they were done in the presence of God and that there will be a bodily resurrection at the end of history. Many people choose to live as if there is no resurrection, and they will be sorely surprised when they have to stand before God. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that He said in the Holy Scriptures. You can't pick and choose. If you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you've got to believe that this is His Word and it's true. Tim Keller said, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether you like Jesus' teaching or not, but on whether He rose from the dead. Because if He rose from the dead, it affects everything. It affects everyone. It affects every moment. There are a lot of people who have gone to their graves believing that they got away with it, whatever the, the it was. There's been a, a lot of injustice and a lot of cruelty that has gone unpunished in this life. But they will find that God being just 
has raised Jesus from the dead in order that there might be a general resurrection of all humanity that we might, re- that we might all receive what is due us. If God allowed undetected wrongs to pass away with the death of a person that committed them, then there would be no concept of justice at all and God would not be just. And so one of the reasons why Jesus rose from the dead is because God is a just God. Jesus rose from the dead to demonstrate the justice of God. What if Hitler had gotten away with it? Would there be any justice at all? I'm coming quickly as I possibly can to the conclusion as we are going over. But I wanted you to look at 1 Corinthians 15 verses 25 through 27 as we are uh, getting ready to conclude. Scripture reads, For He must reign until He has put all His enemies underneath His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under His feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that He is expected, or He He is accepted who is who put all things in subjection under Him. And it's talking here about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what this means is that because Jesus rose from the dead, He is the King of the universe. And He is bringing all things underneath His feet. He is ruling and reigning over all nations. He is ruling and reigning over all kingdoms. He is ruling and reigning over all leaders. He is ruling and reigning over all peoples. He is ruling and reigning over all of us. Whether you acknowledge Him or not, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Whether you acknowledge Him or not, He is your King and your Lord. And as such, He is moving all of history according to His direction. He is moving it all towards His conclusion. Everything is happening according to His will. All of history is revolving around His kingship. Every event, however mundane, is happening according to His will and for His glory. Worship Him. Submit to Him. He is your King. But also, as the risen Lord, He is always making intercession for us. Romans 8, verse 34 says, Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In submitting to Jesus Christ as King, you are submitting to one who loves your soul. You are submitting to the King of the universe who loves you and who knows you and is interceding continually at the Father's right hand for you. Isn't that good news? Jesus Christ is the risen King. And He loves you. And He's caring for you. And He's watching over you. Oh, follow Him.
trust Him. Worship Him. Let's pray together. Father, we bow our hearts before King Jesus. We thank You that He is our risen Lord. We ask God that You would cause Your Spirit to cause all of our hearts today to worship Him. We know at the end of history that every knee shall bow, that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. But Lord, we want Him to be worshipped today in our hearts. And so we sanctify Him as King, as Lord. Fill our hearts with love for Him. We ask in His name. Amen.